What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals podcast. Today, our guest is Darren Gross. Today, we're talking about insurance for real estate investors. This is a big topic that's just, it's not talked about enough, you guys. You know, there everybody has insurance on every piece of property they own, or at least you should. If you've got it financed, you definitely need to have insurance on it based on the terms of your financing. We won't go down that route, but insurance is just not talked about enough in fields like these podcasts. You know, we're talking about the the sexy aspects of investing in real estate, making awesome returns. That's great. We need to know these important facts around what it takes to to get an insurance policy, what factors the insurers consider, and we're going to cover a few of those things today. If you're looking for insurance on uh, multifamily property, this is the conversation for you. If you need to learn these lessons, here you go. There's some fantastic ones from Darren Gross in here today. He does many other types of insurance, but that's the topic that we're going to hit on today. You can go check out some of his information to get deeper information on the other assets, other asset classes of real estate and how to insure those, the important factors, all that great stuff. It's a great interview. I, I learned a lot about the, the details of multifamily real estate insurance on this one, and I'm sure you will as well. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I am a real estate investor, a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. This is one of those great topics that all real estate investors need to understand if you're out there buying property and making offers. You have to know what your insurer is going to consider. And then also what is going to play in after you close the deal. So that's what we're talking about today. A lot of great lessons in here from Darren Gross. Without any further ado, here we go. Darren, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. Thrilled to talk with you. We've been chatting for a while uh, before we hit record and you've got a lot of cool ideas and I was dying to hit record. But you know, before we get into uh, some of your ideas, can you tell our listeners about who you are and what you do? You bet. So my name is Darren Gross. Um, on the uh, legal, it's John Darren Gross. So I go by J. Darren Gross. And until the TSA came about, I didn't uh, use my first name, John. So the <laughs> J's, J's become very important now or John if I'm in trouble. Um, but anyway, I'm based in uh, Portland, Oregon. I'm an insurance broker uh, focused on working with real estate investors uh, my wife and I, we also invest. We've got a handful of single family properties. We've got a 12 unit property down in Florida. And um, so that's pretty much, you know, kind of the, the focus of what I do. I've been doing insurance since, um, I think, 90, 1990 is when I got my license. So just a little while, just getting started. Wow. Then, so you've seen a yeah, lot best, of uh, a lot of insurance cases. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, fortunately, I fell into uh, kind of the real estate side of things from a standpoint of, uh, you know, I had a, somebody call in and they were buying a rental property and they needed insurance. And uh, then they called back next week and needed more insurance. And they called back the week after that and they kept, you know, and, and you know, so that was kind of my introduction to like, oh, wow, this, tell me more about how this works kind of thing. So, but uh, yeah. So what's your focus on now in terms of, you know, who do you insure? What do you write policies for? And, you know, how does that work for you? Right. 
So like I said, most of who, what I spend my, my outbound efforts on uh, is talking with real estate investors, landlords, um, anybody that has anything to do with real estate. I've got some, you know, some people do some construction or some new, new construction uh, properties, but um, primarily it's, it's investors. It could be apartments, it could be retail, it could be office building, uh, flex space. Um, but that's kind of the left to right of, of the people I try and work with. Nice. So, you know, insurance is one of those things that, you know, you, you, when you need it, you really need it. And when you need it, it's too late to go get it. So I think there's a lot of temptation for people to either cheap out in their insurance or, or not get what they need, particularly in the apartment space. You know, have you come across that? Is that true? And you know, what are your thoughts on that regard and, and people not being adequately insured, say for you know, apartment investments? Sure. I, I think one of the challenges, and I, I think you know, all of us like to have a, a reference point to where we can plug in a number and, and just assume that everything's good. I've seen this happen and I've gotten into numerous conversations online with, with various people about you know, an assumption or a, a number to use for your underwriting. You know, and, and uh, whether it be you're remodeling a bathroom or a, or a, a price per door for insurance, uh, I've seen that. And, and, and I'll just say that anybody that's doing that, I would caution you, uh, especially if you're underwriting your properties in, in uh, like Florida and you live in Oregon and you're, you know, because insurance is driven by weather for the most part, uh, especially for, for real estate. So if you have uh, you know property in a in a in a territory that's uh, prone to you know catastrophic loss like um, tornadoes or hailstorms or uh, hurricanes, uh, that's a whole lot different of a risk model than somebody who lives in Oregon like I do, uh, where we get rain, you know, and um, so I think that that's one of the things that I would caution anybody about uh, is you know just that having some sort of a preset notion as to what it should be. Um, I think you have to understand that, that uh, you know, each property is going to be different. Each buyer is going to be different. Um, you know, if you're buying from somebody that, that has a large portfolio and uh, they've got a master policy and they run with a high deductible and they're showing on their, their, um, um, you know, their numbers that they're giving you on the pro forma, that their insurance cost is, you know, a very low number. And you assume that you will be able to duplicate that and run with that number. And you don't think to call an insurance person until like, you know, a day or two before closing, <laughs> you're, you're going to be in trouble, you know? And, um, you know, again, I, I get it. Insurance is not something people understand for the most part. It's something you pay for. You hope you never have to use. Um, like you said, if you, you need it and then you try and get it, that's too late. Um, if you need it and you don't understand what you have, that's probably too late as well. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of outside out of mind. I always tell people when, when I sell a policy is that I hope you never need it because if you do, you're having a bad day and this will help, but it won't take all the pain away. You've still got to dedicate some time. You've probably got a deductible, you are going to have to get involved in the process. You can't just call the, the insurance company 
have them show up with their tool belt, fix it, and you know, shake their hand and they, they, they go away. It's not that at all. The insurance company provides a contract, that's the policy. Uh, they then provide the money for when the clauses in the policy are triggered. And so they're the checkbook and they're the, the terms. The work that has to be done, that's up to you. You, you can pick your contractor, you get to negotiate all that stuff. But again, these are things that most people, when you have a loss, um, it's just not, it's not understood. You don't understand what's next. You know, I think, um, um, when was the last time you were in an autom automobile accident? Uh, I was a junior in high school and, uh, somebody hit me and rolled my car. Okay. Over a decade ago. Okay. So your, your 10 years plus, uh, since the last time you had to use it, right? Um, chances are you may have forgotten how it worked or, or how the things, you know, because you haven't had to re, you know, redo or, or revisit the, the steps on how to uh, make your uh, coverage work. And so, and that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at is that people just, it's something that you have to have the, the bank's not going to loan you money. Uh, your investors uh, are likely not going to sign up for you if they find that you don't have insurance. And so based on that, people don't really have a full understanding of what is covered. They know they have to have it because it's a budget item and they're trying to hit their pro forma numbers. They're looking for a number that fits rather than trying to make their, their purchase price fit their numbers kind of thing. So um, does that kind of cover it? We, we, kind of, sometimes I get going and I forget what the question was. But the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, know. absolutely. I, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head with people want to have a, a pretty simple formula or percentage or whatever that they want, they can plug into uh, their cash flow calculator so they can get an idea of where am I going to be roughly for insurance numbers. And, you know, it's definitely interesting to hear that most insurance claims are weather related. You know, I, my exposure to actual claims for, for real estate is none. I, we've never had to make a claim on any property that I've been involved with, at least to, <laughs> to my knowledge. Um, and I think it's going to hopefully stay that way. But, you know, when I think about it, it seems like insurance could, you know, it should be applicable for a lot of things, right? You have potentially arson is a, a big one. Um, I don't know the other ones though. Well, no. And I was just, I just want to make sure we're clear on this is that sure. the rates, the rates are driven primarily by weather. Okay. The, the claims and the severity uh, are, are driven by that. But I mean, probably your number one claim is fire. Uh, and even in that your number one claim is probably cooking. Right. Oh, okay. Sure. Um, but, yeah. but you know, and that doesn't vary from region to region. That's, that's kind of a recognized uh, thing at five o'clock at night, people cook dinner. Um, you know, if, I mean, you know, presumably they still cook dinner. Um, <laughs> but, but that's, it, but that's kind of like a, a, that's a constant. But when you go into these other things that are dramatically different, you have to account for that. And so your ratings, uh, you know, are, are varied based on the, the potential for catastrophic loss is kind of what I was trying to get at. So that's, that's okay. a lot of how that, that happens. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, how do you, we as investors, you know, make the right decisions for insurance and, and, and while keeping numbers in mind, I mean, I'm sure you could, somebody will sell you an insurance product that'll, you know, how do you, you could, uh, there's, there's underinsured and overinsured, right? They're, they're, 
So how do we really thread the needle and have the appropriate amount of insurance and, and not spend too much, but also not spend too, too little and really figure that out? Right. So I, I think here's kind of what I always try and recommend to people when they're, when they're getting into this is that, especially, uh, and again, a lot of the, the people I, I talk to are doing value add uh, properties. Um, maybe they're buying a, a C property. They're hoping to bring it up to a B, uh, increase the rents, uh, maybe some renovations. And, you know, that, that's a, that's a tried and true strategy. It's, it's worked for, you know, since the beginning of time and in uh, residential, they call it flipping. Um, you know, it's, but it's basically, that's, that's the thing is you're taking something that's old and worn out and you're trying to, you know, reposition it. What the insurance companies are really trying to pay attention to. And a lot of these, uh, online digital tools are giving them the ability to do it in real time, uh, or, or better real time than, than, you know, traditional, uh, kind of applications, uh, is they can go to a, a Google earth and they can see the, the front of the building and they can see that it it doesn't look good you know if there's if there's a picture that doesn't look attractive they can go to the crime uh data they can do go to all these different sources and kind of realize that it's either something that they do want to insure or they don't want to insure and so what you can do to help yourself is when you're doing your due diligence is to make certain you're you're up to speed on what the systems the the age of the systems are and there's four systems that you want to pay attention to uh, the first is always the roof okay if you have a, a roof that was replaced in the last couple of years that's great if you have one that that is old worn out and it was uh you know it's the original roof and it's a 50 year old property that's going to be a problem okay uh we are getting a lot of pressure on electrical systems okay um there are a couple of uh, uh, panels out there that have become um, just kind of lightning rods for insurance companies. Uh, there's a, a Federal Pacific and a Zinsco panel. And if you're doing an inspection on a property and you come across these, it's important for you to know that these are going to be problematic and to get a, a bid from an electrical contractor on what it's going to cost to update or take care of these. Okay. Um, if you didn't calculate that into your, your purchase price and you bought that and an insurance company goes out and, and uh, inspects it, either they're going to cancel you or you, and you're going to have to end up with higher priced insurance than you had originally budgeted. Or you may find out that you know, by the time you're in this situation that there aren't any companies that want to uh, insure. And wow. I, I say any, there's always somebody that's willing to, but I'm saying that, that your price, if, if you had... If you had position, if you had presented this as a very desirable property, the insurance company gave you a very desirable property price, and when they go out and inspect it, they find out otherwise, you're gonna your numbers aren't gonna match. Okay. Um, the third system is your plumbing. Um, plumbing is not really, uh, well, I guess it depends on the age. You know, if you if you got if you got older properties that has any kind of cast iron. Um, Waistlines, if you have uh, uh, um, galvanized pipes that are notorious for rusting, or if you have any of the, um, um, I can't remember the name of it now, but there was a, there was a, a man-made pipe. Uh, it was kind of a, a plastic pipe, um, a butylene. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, polybutylene. Polybutylene. <clears throat> yeah, it's problematic. Um, 
and then the last is a heating and cooling system. You know, it's got to be current, but um, you know, depending on where you're buying and, and what the systems are, I mean, that, that can be a major expense, but, but that would be the, the, uh, the least of the, the four. But so if you, if you start with knowing those four things, you can position yourself in a way that, that you can uh, have leverage in your negotiation, because if you know these things are going to be problematic, they're going to be problematic for everybody. And if you get a, a, a cost to correct, you can work that into your negotiations. Um, the other thing is when you're, when you're in your negotiation, make sure you're getting a, a copy of the loss history from the seller. Okay. If, if they've had, uh, you know, water leaks and all these other types of claims and you didn't know about it and you got a price that doesn't reflect that, uh, chances are that the insurance company, you know, they may say no thank you or be, because they fear that these problems are going to continue, uh, you know, raise your deductible, raise your price, however. But again, it's the picture changed and the insurance companies now are, they have a window once they bind coverage to review everything to make sure that what you said it is, it actually is. So you want to be aware of that. Um, but th those are those are kind of the um, uh, the upfront due diligence. And then the last thing I would add to that is make sure that you're, you're working with a, a realistic replacement cost, okay? Um, again, if you if you're buying the property from somebody that's owned the property for 20 years, okay, and they bought it at a at a low price, everything's gone up in price, but the value on their policy has not increased to match what an actual replacement cost is, and you try and replace or try and insure it for the value they had on their policy, um, a you might get that that limit, but if you have a loss, you could run into a coinsurance penalty. Uh, which is, it's problematic. It, it, just for the, the short version, is you're not going to get what you think you're going to get. And that, <laughs> that, you know, that can put a lot more pressure on your, you and your investors and that. Um, but those, those would be kind of the upfront things that I would recommend that anybody that is buying a property, you know, do, do the roof inspection, do the electrical inspection, do the plumbing inspection, you know, get a thorough due diligence and, and make sure you are able to document those things because those are the questions your insurance broker is going to ask. And if you can provide those answers, you're going to get a better price. I mean, if you can provide favorable answers, you're going to get a better price. If the answers aren't favorable, you can use that in your negotiation. And then you can also, if you have a plan to correct those, you can relay that to your insurance broker so that you can then present that to the insurance company and get either a better price or, or they'll give you a, 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 you know, an amount of time to correct that, or they might say, come back when those are done, but you'll have, you know, again, those, those can really affect your price. Yeah. Yeah. Great for negotiation. Something that uh, you mentioned about uh, the electrical systems and certain types of panels that they're concerned about. Um, are those because it, you know, is that related to the, the fire issue that that those particular models of panels are, prone to cause fires at this point in their life cycle? Yeah. The, well, here's what I, here's what I do know is the Zinsco has actually been recalled. Mm. Okay. Um, and I'm not certain on the vintage of when those were, were popular. Uh, but there are a lot of them out there. I mean, I've started going into buildings now and I open them up and I'm like, Oh my God, this is one, that's one, this one, you know, so they're, they're out there. Um, the Federal Pacific is a little less clear, but it somehow got on the radar of uh, insurance companies. And uh, I can't tell you the full story there. I, I, 
I know that I've talked in depth with some electricians and they said, look, this one was not recalled, but it's, it's still, it's, it's made the list kind of like, you know, a vicious dog kind of thing. If you've got, you know, uh, those types of things. So it's, it's at least it's something to be aware of. And, and, uh, cause the last thing you want to do is get this property, think everything's great. You're collecting your first month's rent. The insurance inspector goes out to inspect. They send you a, um, a loss control thing and the insurance company says you've got you know 14 days to correct this or we're canceling the policy um and those are always fun to communicate to your your client on the hey you know the inspection went really well except for these two things you know and uh so wow be forewarned another electrical matter that comes up sometimes is uh aluminum wiring does that factor in as well yeah, no, absolutely. And, and there was a period of time, and again, I'm not 100% on this, but I want to say it was like late 60s, early 70s, where the um, price of aluminum wiring was cheaper than copper, and so some building uh, contractors were, were using that. And um, it can be uh, retrofitted, <clears throat> where they, they essentially, they pigtail, uh, for lack of a better word, but they encapsulate, they they. Somehow there's like a, you take the aluminum wire and you take the, the copper wire and you put, put them in some sort of like a little thing and they kind of shrink wrap them together. And then, but you have to do that at every terminal and every outlet and every um, uh, fixture. So, I mean, there are, there are buildings I ensure that have that, wow. have had that done to them. Uh, but that can be kind of costly. So, but if you, if you know that to be the case, you can again, you know, you can again then, uh, have that conversation with the seller and, uh, you know, put in a price for what it would cost to, uh, to fix at it, but definitely something to be aware of. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's one that comes up and I would, I would hate to have to, uh, bear that expense, but that should be relatively easy to, uh, to find on inspection. Now, are you, are you seeing people, you know, whether deliberately or inadvertently or otherwise, you know, underinsuring their properties to increase their their cash flow. I mean, it seems like uh, you know, if if somebody was so motivated to increase their cash flow or their NOI, they would, you know, one thing that they could potentially reduce is uh insurance. I mean, is that happening? And like what if it is happening, is there any particular class of real estate where it's happening in most frequently? Well, I'll tell you, here's, here's what I see. And this is where I've um, had uh, buyers balk at my price and go with somebody else. And it's based on replacement cost estimates. Um, you know, there's the cost of labor and materials, right? And in the, the area that you're buying in, that's, that's the number you want. Um, and the, the policy says, you know, it will pay replacement cost. Uh, provided that you've insured to a percentage of replacement cost, and where this is, it's it's critical. In in a in a total loss, you're going to get the most. Uh, the most you're going to get is what's the limit on the policy, right? So if you insured for a million, <clears throat> the millions what you're going to get. The the more likely scenario is you're going to have a partial loss, okay? And if you have a, a three hundred thousand dollar loss, and you only insured to five hundred thousand. Your first thought is, "Hey, we've got we've got five hundred thousand. That's only a three hundred thousand dollar loss. We're we're good." But if the reality is, is that the policy says 
you had to insure to replacement costs and the replacement cost is a million dollars, you've underinsured by half. Mm. And so the insurance company is not going to say, oh, here's your 300,000. They're going to say, hey, you underinsured, so we're going to underpay your claim. Here's 150,000. Good luck. Oh, man. So, I mean, that's a, that's a dramatic example, but it's, but it is something if your policy has a coinsurance penalty on it, which all of the policies are written with some sort of, some, some sort of a coinsurance requirement. Um, you can, you can work around that, um, with, you know, various endorsements and stuff, but it's, but, but again, my, my point, you were asking the question, do I see people doing it purposefully? I think that if, if the buyer doesn't understand what they're buying, right? And you're given two policies, both of which will satisfy your lender, right? Both of which have a price. You're going to take the low price because you're trying to get the deal done. Yeah. Agreed? Absolutely. So, so if, if you don't understand the, the cost of what it's going to cost to, to rebuild, uh, I, would, I would encourage you to at least ask, uh, you know, whether it be a, a, a contractor or the inspector or somebody, get a realistic, tell me what would it cost per square foot? If I asked you to build this building back, what would it cost? Just get a, just get a number. So you're, cause that's what the insurance is based on. It's not based on what you bought it for. It's not based on what you can sell it for. Okay. We're only talking about what it costs to build it back. And that's something a lot of people don't, they, they they're detached from that because they're caught up in the, the, um, you know, the buy, what, what they're, what they're paying for it and what they hope to be able to sell it for, which I get it. Right. I mean, cause yep. the it's again, it's a foreign thing and nobody wants to really get into the, the understanding, but I, I say this as more of a cautionary tale. I, I, I've had uh, numerous claims over the years. Uh, if you get into a co-insurance penalty, it's not a happy day. Yeah. I mean, I go back to, I, I think about what you said kind of earlier on in our conversation about you hope your clients never have to use it because it, the insurance company is not going to show up and magically fix all the problems. And this is seems to be one of the biggest potential pitfalls and not only they get not going to show up and solve your problems, they could show up and kind of sort of make them worse. Oh yeah. No, if you don't sense. have coverage and then, yeah. And then, you know, and, and then you're left with, uh, you know, trying to sue your insurance company or whoever type thing. But I mean, if the contract is written the way the contract's written, um, these have been tested. I mean, it's not a matter of, of um, you know, they didn't do what they said they were going to do. Their contract says what they're going to do. Um, so, no, I, I again, I, I say this is not a matter of trying to scare anybody, but I think that if you if you don't know, and you're just going off, you know, limit, limit, price, price. Well, a limit, limit, price, price thing is probably not as bad because if you're saying both things are the same limits, but if you're if you're just going price, price if you're just looking at, you know, the low price wins and you're not paying attention to the above numbers, that's probably more detrimental. So, yeah. Yeah. Are you seeing any uh, difficulty in issuing or writing policies for, you know, like the value add strategies that people are, are doing today? People having a hard time getting insured? Like what's that? How does accessibility, you know, for, uh, syndicators look these days that are, you know, doing your typical value add strategy? Well, again, it goes back to basically the condition of the property. If the, the property is, if it's, if it's more of a cosmetic remodel, that's not a problem. Okay. It goes back to those systems we just talked about. 
if you're buying something that's older, that's got a lot of um, systems that are, you know, in disrepair or that need to be replaced, um, you know, I, I just, what what's interesting to me is that insurance is kind of broken down into like the preferred companies, which are the companies that want to ensure everything is brand new. Uh, you know, new construction is not a problem. We can insure that all day, every day with anybody we want, right? Because it's presumably not going to have a problem. Everything is new, right? Yeah. Um, the issue in the is you is you get older and these systems are are less um, secure, less sound, more likely prone to to a problem. The the companies that are saying you know pick me uh, kind of thin out, right? So then you get into the kind of the second tier, which are more like your desperado markets that say you know you know raise your hands, you know how much money do you have, kind of thing. You know give me. I mean they're looking for more, but they're also taking on more risk. Right. Mm. And so what, but in that second tier, historically, I've, I've felt pretty certain that we could find somebody that would be willing to take on these, these lesser desirable risk. I'm finding those tier of companies to now adopt some of these higher, more stringent underwriting guidelines of the, the, the top tier companies. Hmm. So that's, so you know, historically, I would have thought we always had that kind of a layer of safety. But um, there's been a lot written here uh, lately. I know like um, uh, Lloyd's, uh, a lot of the Lloyd's markets have realized that they've taken on more risk than they, you know, could potentially um, pay out. And so I think there's there's a lot of these models that are now uh, asking for more premium and, and they're all they're all getting back to some basics on underwriting, you know. And um, so as that, as that goes, it's just a, it's more of a cautionary tale. I think, again, if you're doing a value add strategy, you're buying something that's built in the eighties, um, that's relatively safe. Uh, you might need a new roof, uh, but your systems are going to be, you know, up to speed. It's if you get older than that, it's probably more of, that's really probably more of the, the line of demarcation. Because uh, if you're doing kitchen and bathroom models, it should be, you know, some cabinetry, some fixtures, some paint, flooring, you know. Yeah. Red. Nothing too major. Cool. So right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Darren, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I hope so. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Um we built a uh, a house that's uh, used for um, adult. It's not adult foster care, but it's an adult um, uh, kind of mentally handicapped uh, people. And it was uh, something I stumbled into. I had a client that was a uh, care provider, and uh, they worked closely with the county uh, that that uh, provided the funding for this. And in a conversation, learned that the county is constantly looking for more housing and got to talk to them about it and ended up, uh, I got a grant for, you know, like a third of it for the, like the down payment and that. And then the, the, um, uh, the rents that you can charge for this type of home are like, you know, three times what a normal home would rent for. So it's that, that's, that was like, it's like, wow, mind changing, just, you know, the, uh, the uh, cash flow and, and just uh, uh, really the ability to, uh, you know, save and, and invest more. So that wow. by far was the best. 
Yeah, we've had folks on the show to talk about residential assisted living in the past, uh, primarily for you know elder care, things like that. We didn't mm-hmm. really talk about uh, folks with developmental disabilities. So definitely interesting that, um, you know, that those things are being built and that's, that's great. So, you know, glad to hear that. On the other side of that, what is the worst investment you ever made? Um, worst investment, I, I, I'd probably go to another property. Um, and even, the, even though it was the worst, it's hard to say it was even the worst. I'll say it's the worst out of the ones that I've done. Um, it was a, uh, just a really, really rough property. Um, I mean, it was scary and it was my first property and I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, but, uh, well, it didn't make money in the, in the short term, uh, ended up having another client that was looking for a rental and he bought it from me and, and I essentially did a flip, not even, not trying, you know, and, and, uh, made, you know, at the time it was probably equal to, you know, half a year salary, uh, based on just wow. a seven month hold kind of thing. So, um, and it got me excited about real estate. So really hard to say it was the worst one, but it was, it was probably the scariest property from a standpoint of just, um, something to own. Mm. Okay. Okay. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Most important. There's a lot of weight on that uh, answer there, but uh, I would say, um, you know, you got to ask the questions. You got to, you got to communicate. You know, if you don't understand, you know, ask some questions, work to get the answers. Um, You know, don't be afraid to, to ask the questions and don't assume anything. That's for sure. I mean, if you assume anything that, uh, you know, making the ass out of you and me kind of thing is definitely the, the, the summation of that. So I think that, uh, you know, don't be afraid to raise your hand, ask the questions, make sure you understand the numbers, how everything works, because otherwise you're going to find out and it may be too late. Nice. Ouch. Yeah. Wow. So thanks for all the lessons today about, real estate insurance. It's not a topic that really is discussed enough. It's a, it's, we all have insurance on all of our properties, or at least, you know, we should probably required to, uh, but people aren't there, aren't out there talking about it that much. So I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some of these important lessons that we need to know about insuring our properties. If folks want to learn more about you, Darren, where can they find you? Where can they get in touch? You bet. You can check out my website. It's J Darren Gross, the letter J Darren, D-A-R-R-I-N Gross, G-R-O-S-S dot com. Nice. Nice. You got that radio voice going on. So, you know, I, you have your, do you, don't you have your own podcast too? Yeah. No, we also have a podcast, uh, Commercial Real Estate Pro Network. And uh, we do uh, weekly interviews where we interview uh, real estate investors and professionals and um, kind of very similar format to what you've got. We try and, uh, you know, kind of get to some, some ideas or some stories or some sort of uh, valuable information that, that helps uh, real estate investors. I love it. I love it. Like I said, you got a real, uh, the, the radio voice going on. So just makes it great to listen to. So folks should definitely check that out as well. Thanks once again for coming on the show and sharing those lessons to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple podcast. It's very much appreciated. 
if, if uh, you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the fold. I hope you have a great day and a great rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in once again. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.